Hello and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour SB Nation's NFL podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Van Biver. With me, as always, Stephen White and Danny Kelly. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Excellent. Awesome. Excellent. You guys ready for the season? <laughs> I yes, am. I mean, I, you know, I think, you know, we could always maybe get another week or so out of Deflategate if we needed to, but. Yeah. I guess, I guess we'll have to settle for some real football. <laughs> it just keeps sucking me back in. You know, it was pretty good. I mean, it's a pretty good thing for the NFL overall. Not, I'm not the Roger Goodell of the NFL, but just the NFL in general that, you know, you have Tom Brady back for the season opener after a yep. summer in the spent in the headlines like that too, you know? Oh yeah. Put on your conspiracy theory hats, gentlemen. <laughs> keep a ten floor hat at the ready just, just a situation like this one what's so funny is then before that ESPN report kind of came out and started making waves this morning about Spygate and then Deflategate as the sort of the get it right thing for that it was all the internet was all about Tom Brady and Donald Trump and I was like man it's going to be one of those Tuesdays <laughs> keep America great <laughs> he's a total great again i'm sorry make america great again great again he had some sort of reagan-esque right now, yeah. he's a total winner a total winner <laughs> like the roger goodell he's awful <laughs> terrible bad education <laughs> Old Rockefeller Republican. There's no place for his his ass in in today's in today's political climate. He loses. He's a loser. Look, he loses all the time. And <laughs> he's a total loser. <laughs> oh. Now he didn't come out smelling like a rose this morning, though. With I don't know if you guys have had a chance to read it because it is like really really long. But um, and it just came out a few hours ago. But uh, the uh. ESPN outside the lines bombshell. I think that's the most common word I'm seeing used in <laughs> relation to it today. But it's a bombshell, <laughs> and uh, it is. It really was a bombshell. I guess it was sort of the Deflate Gate and some payback on as payback for uh, the Spy Gate going easy on Spygate and uh, and some of the details that we'd never heard from Spygate. For I was obviously as a Rams fan. I was particularly intrigued by Mike Martz having to do the sort of like the prisoner of war signed confession kind of thing there. <laughs> Just what We're, a whole deal though, man. It's crazy. I, yeah. The whole part about them uh, dressing up their staffers and having them like sneak onto the sidelines and do this, all this stuff. Pretty uh, fascinating. Look like media guys. They had them yeah. turn their sweatshirts inside out. I was telling somebody that was like, man, inside good- out sweatshirt, stained <laughs> khakis. Nobody will mistake you Seriously. for anybody but a national football columnist. <laughs> know, it's, like, it's a pretty brilliant disguise, actually. Yeah, it's like if you're first in line for the buffet table along with that man, you're in. <laughs> you're gold, baby. <laughs> Did any so? Did you guys have a chance to gloss over it at least? I mean, what you're I would, anxious to hear your your opinions of the whole thing. I mean, I, I went through and read most of it. It like, I think the the basic synopsis is. Uh, I saw this tweet. It's 
basically everyone in the NFL believes the Patriots are cheaters except for the Patriots. And so, um, you know, it's just, uh, it was just really fascinating to read some of those details and even, you know, like the, the tidbit about, uh, John Mara talking about, um, basically this whole deflate gate thing had to happen. I, in the, obviously that he, de- he denies it now, but I guess, uh, you know, Ma- even Mara was like, okay, this is, they need to get punished or whatever. That, that little tidbit was pretty interesting. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of it really interesting, you know, just little details in it. I need to read it like in full. It's like 50,000 words, but yeah. Steven, well, I said, uh, go ahead, man. Yeah, I read a, I read most of it. Uh, probably need to go back through to really digest all of it. But it was interesting to me if for no other reason than uh, a Bucks team that I played on was actually <laughs> featured in there because yeah. our defense coordinator, Monty Kiffin, and this is true, never changed the defensive signals, and so it was <laughs> relatively easy for them to figure us out. Supposedly, they knew seventy five percent of our signals or something like that. So. Yeah, and for no other reason than that, I thought it was pretty interesting. <laughs> and, and really, you know, to me, I, I, I came away with two feelings about this. First, really all it gave us was kind of filled in the blanks that we had been there since we knew about Spygate. We yeah. knew they'd done this. But we really didn't know, like for me, I had argued for a long time that Spygate made absolutely no sense. Because in a natural course of a game, most of the time, the offense huddles up and breaks their huddle before the defense because the defense coordinator is trying to figure out what kind of personnel is in the game, uh, what kind of tendencies they have, what's the down the distance. And so usually, like back when I played, the offense will be breaking the huddle and about to line up, and we're still waiting on a call from the sideline. Mm-hmm. So how would that be beneficial to a team, but it actually gets explained in here because what they did was start going no huddle, which means that the defense coordinator had to send in his signals a lot sooner Mm -hmm. than usual. A lot of times, maybe even before the offense had a play, but were lined up already. So that part, I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. Because for the longest, I was like, this really shouldn't help anybody. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting wrinkle to it all. I, I mean, it, the—I <clears throat> I mean, I know the context of it is the deflate gate, but to me, I think as a fan who watched the games during all that period, you know, was really that was probably my the most into it I've ever been as a fan during that stretch was you know the to go back and recount. Obviously, you have the Rams thing in there, like I mentioned earlier, but to, to recount how all that whole thing worked i mean to hear those details explained and some of that coming on we were laughing about the you know the way the the patriots kind of had the keystone cops spy versus spy sort of mentality about it all but it was just kind of interesting to read that but i I think the, the big takeaway for it for me was that hey this 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 deflategate thing isn't going to hurt roger goodell not at least with his bosses or, or 31 of his bosses at any rate <laughs> all right well, well, it could because he swung and missed. Yeah, <laughs> basically, I think that it probably is what is pissing them off more than anything else. Is they're like, yes, he's finally coming down on them, and they're like, oh, he he blew it, you yeah. know. And I've even seen some people. It hasn't been many, but I've seen people theorizing that he kind of threw the uh, case, like he 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 did the stuff with Jeff Pash, not uh, allowing him to be interviewed 
by the NFLPA just so that they would lose the case. Now, that's, you know, we all have our tinfoil hats on today. So, God. you know, but that's a little out there even for me. Yeah. But, you know, I've seen it, and I bet you after this, after people read this, they might actually think that again. Like, he was really trying to throw the case from the get-go. Yeah. Well, and then you saw that thing, too. It wasn't widely reported, but I saw it bubble up here and there. But that Pash had actually – and Pash, for, the, for anyone listening that doesn't really know, is is the head law. He's the vice president of lawyering, whatever his official title is. But he's the head <laughs> lawyer for the NFL. And um, he offered – he actually, I guess, reportedly offered to resign in the wake of the – Deflate gate stuff. It's kind of amazing he still has a job. It, it, it really, really is. Nor- it really is. You know, like Chris Carter say, he normally would be the fall guy. Yeah. So uh, we haven't actually had a fall guy yet, which is pretty damn remarkable, I would say. It really is. And, and I mean, all the intimations so far, I mean, it kind of sounds like they're, you know, the lawyers are catching a lot, a lot of shit for it. The NFL lawyers for, you know, the way they had handled yeah. it in the way they kind of had walked into the case against Brady especially. So, you know, I, I don't know if we'll see any changes on there. But in, in, on that interview with Mike and Mike, Goodell, you know, he talked about taking himself out of the process. But he didn't talk about – I mean, he was not about to say, yeah, we should have a third-party arbitrator when it comes to player discipline cases, though. He wasn't even close to anything like that. So uh, we'll see where it all goes, but uh, I suspect we haven't heard the last of this. God, I know. But that was my thought this morning. Like, okay, so now what? I yeah. guess, is it, does this, I mean, does this look bad for the NFL? Does this look as bad for the NFL as it does for New England? Or is basically New England the going to come out of this looking bad again? Like, is this like another court of public opinion? I guess, you know huge shot like the way they released the the brady phone destroying thing um you know is this kind of another one of those things where okay now everyone's against the patriots again yeah i mean i, I guess it's but it seems like i mean people already yeah, the patriots are pretty easy to hate if you're not a patriots <laughs> fan anyway you know what i mean i know it's just it seemed like after a while people were like okay i'm sick of this like let's just get it over with and yeah you know what i mean like it was almost just like Okay, maybe they did it, but I'm just so tired of hearing about this. Let's get on with it and play, yeah. the, like, play the season. But I wonder if this will be like a renewed, like, got to take them down. Well, for me, it's almost like somewhat of the opposite. Like, I'm, I'm pissed off about the other stuff, the previous stuff, the Spygate stuff, because it's very apparent that they got away with, you know, well, I yeah. can't really say that because of a former Patriots player. But they've got away with a lot of stuff. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, but in this situation, it does look like, you know, they swung back so mightily just to fight against this this view that they had given them a pass. So to me, it seems more likely that, yes, this was a bullshit case from the get-go, only meant to kind of get the rest of the owners off of Goodell's back. Yeah. Well, and, you know, he probably needed a little bit, besides just the Spygate thing, it's like to shore up support a little bit among your constituents. When you're Goodell and your constituents are the owners, you know, you've fumbled the ball on Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson and Bounty Gate and the other stuff between, you know, ever since the 2011 collective bargaining agreement, you know, this is a good way to kind of get one back in the win column, I guess, from uh, from that perspective. And And you see this time and time again, with the NFL and player discipline, it's always 
a reaction. It's always from a reactionary place. It's not, you know, it's not like PEDs or even the drug policy, which has the steps in it, whether you agree with it or not, has the steps in it. Like, you know, you violate, you fail a test, X happens to you. But this is sort of like, it's like with Ray Rice. It's two games and then it's indefinite. You know, as soon as a videotape comes out, it goes from two games to indefinite suspension. And, and they sort of, you know, and then they get tough on domestic violence. And so in the wake of the Ray Rice thing, it's like, well, the Adrian Peterson stuff happens and the Greg Hardy thing comes to the fore. And then they, you know, then they come out with the, the heavier hammers than they would have hit those guys with earlier on, you know, had the Ray Rice tape not come out and that story. But so the, the whole NFL disciplinary process to me is just one big groping your way through the dark to begin with and see how people react as it is. Yeah, it's based on PR a lot of the time. Like, oh yeah, make, yeah, yeah, and it sucks for players because you know that's what takes players off the field and gets them, you know. And even if they win on the appeal, it's still you know no Brady didn't lose any games, but other guys have and will. People just want to watch football, and I think they will probably <laughs> watch a lot of football though, because I don't think yeah. you'll obviously see anything in the ratings when Thursday night rolls around that um, you know tells you. And not to get all Darren Rovell or anything like that, but, I mean, the ratings are probably going to be uh, – I'd be surprised if the ratings didn't set another record this Thursday. Oh, yeah, they will, for sure. <laughs> that, was, that was a perfect segue. That was a good segue. People just, people just want to watch football. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, now we can talk about football. <laughs> Um, well, I thought, you know, this would be kind of a nice a little opportunity for us to do some season preview stuff. So, um, um, our chance we, to look dumb. That's before. right. <laughs> that's right. Let's yeah, get on the record. Yeah. Say some things we're going to regret come January. I'd like to be as vague as humanly possible. <laughs> here. This is recording. <laughs> All right, well, let's stay in the AFC then since we talked about the Patriots. Um, I, I guess the obvious question, are the Patriots still uh, the class of the AFC this season? Would they be your pick or at least among you know two or three teams that you'd feel good about picking to win a Super Bowl this year, at least go to the Super Bowl? Yeah, for me they are. I still picked them to win the AFC East even with the – even with the Brady stuff still going on, I picked them a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, you know, this just makes it easier to pick them. Uh, I think that the Bills are going to be a lot better, and they could challenge in that division. Um, and even the Dolphins are pretty interesting. So, But I still think the Patriots are coming out of the East and uh, are one of the teams in the AFC that could, you know, I think, you know, obviously they still are one of the favorites of the AFC. <laughs> yeah. Steve? Um. I, I'm leaning the other way. I, I, I really think that, look, we, we know that it's hard on teams coming off a Super Bowl in the first place, right? Yeah. Uh, though, for whatever reason, you know, some guys leave, like Darrell Revis. They lost Brown as well. Some guys get fat and, and a little lazy. Uh, they, <laughs> they lost a lot of leadership with uh, Vince Wilfork being gone. This is a much different team than the one that won the Super Bowl a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And Yes, you know, Brady's going to be able to play, but it's been, I'm sure it's been mentally and emotionally taxing on him and people around him in that locker room up until this point. So the division is much stronger, probably as strong as it's ever been now from top to bottom. You can't really find a weak link 
I think that the Bills with Tyrod Taylor are going to be very dangerous. We know the one thing that actually does get to Tom Brady is pressure up the middle, and the Dolphins just so happen to go out and get Indomitian Sue. So mm-hmm. there, there's just a lot of, of, of upheaval, I would say, in that division that makes me think not only will they maybe not even contend for a title, they might not con- t- contend for the division title this year. It's pretty. That'd be a pretty dramatic shift because I mean they really just kind of have walked to those division titles for the most part for the last decade, you know. Oh, absolutely. But like, like I said, I mean I don't think I can ever remember a time, not in my lifetime, when their division has been any stronger than it is right now, from top to yeah. bottom. Yeah, and especially for the parts aimed at sort of controlling Brady. Because, I mean, I think, like you said, too, the, the Patriots' defense isn't going to be quite as good as it was last year. Now, they can always scheme and scam their way into, into, into looking a little better than they maybe the sum of the parts with, uh, with what we've seen in the past. But this has been, the, you know, you, you thwart Tom Brady, and those teams have a lot of ways to do that. Then suddenly it's a, it's a, whole, different, a whole different stretch of ball games there. Man, if if the Bills end up winning the division, Rex Ryan's going to be pretty fun to watch. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> as long as you weren't one of the teams that that, that he beat, they're going to fight. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's add, let me ask you then about the Patriots' opponent this Thursday night, the Steelers. Now, that's a team that you know. Here again, on paper, it looks like they can score thirty-five points a game at will. When you know, and I know they're without Le'Veon Bell for the first two games of the season, but you know, once he comes back, they've got him. Hopefully, the rest of the way, and uh, and Martavius Bryant will be back after four games, and you've got a pretty deep group of receivers there. Um, but you know, there's questions about that defense. I mean, I, I see it seems like people are kind of split between the Ravens and the Steelers in the AFC North, but. Um, you know, I, I think if you what we see uh, what we see out of Pittsburgh's defense this year could go a long way to determining whether or not they can, you know, have a deep run into the playoffs. Stephen, yeah, what are your thoughts? I was going to ask you. You know, this the change in defensive coordinator is obviously big, especially when you've had a guy like Dick LeBeau there for as long as you have. They've had him, and then you also have guys like I mean, Palomalu's gone, Ike Taylor's gone. I mean, this is a different looking team on the field. Yeah, I think that's the biggest problem. It's going to be a, a talent deficit on defense. They still don't have a pass rusher other than J- uh, James Harrison, and, you know, he's almost as old as I am. So, uh, you know, who knows if he holds up physically this year anyway. Uh, I, I think, you know, the young middle linebacker, inside linebacker, uh, Ryan Shazier, mm-hmm. is, is very talented. Uh, uh, so the linebacker core off the ball is pretty good. But, I mean, if you can't rush the passer in this league, especially out of a 3-4, you're going to be in trouble. And, you know, that division, I think the Baltimore Ravens are the class of the division, and I think the Bengals might be right on their heels. So I wouldn't be surprised, even with the Steelers being able to score 30 points a game, I still think they're going to get outscored because of their defense. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they end up being third in the division this year. Yeah, and, and you never know with that division, too. It could be always one of those situations where the third-place winner still gets a wild card. <laughs> it could, but I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think this is going to be another down year for them. Yeah. 
Well, and especially with the shift, like we just talked about in the AFC East. I mean, with those with three teams in the AFC East, all much improved as they are. I mean, that even then, you know, not just the Patriots issue, but the wild card race looks a lot different because suddenly you can't count out those other three teams in the AFC East like you used to kind of be able to. Absolutely. Now, Danny, you started to say something about the Steelers. No, I was just going to say that you know, obviously the the defense is the huge question because. <laughs> We know they can score, and I think that's the reason I picked the Steelers to win the division is just, you know, their offense is just so ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see them doing, like, what the uh, the Cowboys did last year, which is, you know, skate by with, like, a less-than-seller defense because their offense was pretty dominating. And so that's kind of what I had in mind when I, when I picked the Steelers. But, I mean, again, it, I agree with Steven that there's a huge question on defense, and, um, you know, that's why – that's why I was saying earlier, like, this is going to make me look stupid probably. <laughs> stupid, I mean, that's just kind of like what my mind was picturing is, is just kind of controlling the game from the offensive side of the ball, kind of how they've done. And, uh, yeah, so that's why I picked the Steelers in that division. I think the Ravens will be the wild card out of that division. Safe choice. A safe choice. Safe choice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's go into the, to the AFC South. Um, I, it's hard to see, for me at any rate, any other team winning the AFC South besides the Colts. However, um, over the weekend, this, was, this wasn't a big story over the weekend, kind of considering the roster cuts and everything else that was going on in the league, but there was the, the report from ESPN or, or the Indianapolis Star, rather, that came out about a uh, about tension between Ryan Grigson and uh, head coach Chuck Pagano over Pagano's contract. This is the last year he's what you call quote unquote a lame duck because he's coaching without an extension. Um, and Grigson is uh, a little more secure in his contract situation. And there were reports that Grigson was making lineup decisions for the coach, and specifically okay. the starting center job last year, making some kind of questionable moves on the this is all according to report so you know take it for what you will but uh but uh it looks like indianapolis is kind of is going for broke this year especially when you look back at what they did in free agency is is it going to work out for them danny do you see the colts kind of transcending that can they get past the can they get to the afc championship again and and have a better shot of winning it uh, you know, I think that they're going to be the team to be in the South, obviously. I don't know if I have as much confidence that they can get back to the AFC Championship game this year. Um, it's, the, it's the same thing, you know, you always hear about this, like the discord between GM and coach is, like, that's huge, and that's kind of what happened in San Francisco. Um, you know, the ownership and GM and everyone hated each other, and even though they had, like, a really talented team and things like that, it just can really screw with things, and if these reports are true, then that's a big deal. I don't know if they're true or not, but, um, you know, as we've seen, that can have a huge impact on just everything in the, from the top down and the whole, you know, the whole franchise. So, um, but I mean, again, I think that, like you said, they kind of loaded up for this year. So they, they have a lot of talent on offense and they've made some changes on defense to kind of get a little more experience there. And, and if, uh, you know, they, if their pass rush can improve this year, then they could, be in a little bit better shape but overall like the offense is looking like it could be ridiculously good so kind of like the Steelers um you know they're, they're going to lean on their offense and to have them carry in obviously with Andrew Luck uh that having a, a very good quarterback helps a lot of things and so I'm, I'm picking the Colts out of the south I I didn't pick them to go to the Super Bowl or um but yeah so definitely going to win the division though 
Steven, your thoughts on the Colts? Well, see, the Colts kind of have that situation that the Patriots used to have that we were just talking about, where their division is so bad, um, or, or at least mediocre, everybody other than them, that they're going to have kind of an easy walk to the playoffs, basically. Mm-hmm. And they're probably going to end up having home field advantage. And that was, that's, that was huge when Peyton was there. That's huge, been huge for Tom Brady. And that's going to be huge for uh, the coach. Um, I do worry about the tension between the head coach and the front office or whatever's going on with that. I worry a lot more about the fact that Art Jones is hurt and out again for the year and their run de- defense is still an issue. But uh, they did get some, some kind of good news. It looks like Robert Mathis may be ready to go this weekend. Oh, so wow. it, it'll probably be on a limited basis. <clears throat> but that was also one of the big problems they had last year on defense is they couldn't rush the passer either, kind of like the Steelers uh, when, when Robert Mathis went down. Well, they went out and got Trent Cole, and so uh, we know he's going to give you close to double-digit sacks most years. You get Robert Mathis back. Now, at the very least, you know if you can get them to third and long, which is debatable with their, their run defense, but if you can't get them there, you can probably get off the field because they have a pretty good secondary as well. So they've upgraded on offense. We know that their offensive line is still a little bit of a question mark, but I do, do think they'll play better. Uh, you kind of mentioned the, the center situation. Yeah. I like Khaled Holmes. I, I, I wrote him up for my breakout player. I hope that the GM doesn't mess that up because I do <laughs> think he brought some stability to that unit heading into the playoffs last year. So uh, I think that the offensive line, while a question mark, will play better than people probably think. And I think that, you know, if Robert Mathis can stay healthy, they are going to be by far the class of the division. And then they'll kind of, you know, they might hit some, some headwinds along the way. But I think they should, should coast into the playoffs and have home field advantage, at least in the first round. Yeah. Is Houston, I mean, Houston to me just doesn't quite seem, the quarterback <clears throat> situation is still a little iffy for me to, to comfortably predict that. They, I mean, now they could contend for a wild card, but I just don't know that they could contend with the Colts for the at least for the division win there. I mean, you, you have no quarterback still, uh, to me. Yeah. You know, I, no, no disrespect to their quarterbacks. I just think they're pretty average. And Arian Foster is hurt. Yeah. And, and I, I hear all these great reports about him coming back early. But look, man, he has surgery on his groin. On yeah. his groin. <laughs> He's a running back. You know, you kind of need those muscles to be 100% to make those kind of cuts that he makes that we love to see him make. So, you know, I'm just not convinced until I see it that even when he comes back off that surgery, he's going to be the same guy. So you got an offense that depends on the running game without your number one runner and some pretty average quarterbacks. That's not a good thing. Yeah. You know, I I wonder how much longer we're going to see Arian Foster produce like we're sort of used to seeing him produce. It's always one of the. It's always the cliff that you got to look out for. You know. I mean, he's twenty nine right now. This is his age twenty nine season for all <laughs> intents and purposes. Now, I mean, he's been, you know, he's had eight games in twenty thirteen. Thirteen last year, he missed some time. It's just sort of. It seems like it's kind of that drip, drip, drip. But you know, and then, but he was still, you know, four point eight yards per carry last year too. Yeah, he still accounted for a lot of their overall yardage and everything last year. And so, um, you know, 
like you said, he's had some injuries over the years, but he's still producing at a really high level even last year. Yeah. Um, but with with the running back thing, it's always like that cliff, you know. It, you don't really see much drop off, and then all of a sudden they are terrible. Yeah. Traditionally, so. Well, and like Steven said, with a groin, you know, that's really, that's where you get concerned because it's not an easy thing just to pop back from, especially for a right. running back who needs that. Right. You want to make those cuts. No, I don't want the Jaguars fan coming for me. So I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, Duval, you know, they, 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 they're a real, real rowdy bunch on Twitter. So I will say that I think Bortles, you know, will continue to develop this year. <clears throat> I just don't think he's ready to be, you know, anywhere near elite. I think he'll take some strides forward. Yeah. I like some of the things he did last year. But I don't want them to say, oh, he's not average. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> You're right. You know, he's young. He's going to make some, some some strides. But I just, it's a little too early yet for me to, to say he, he's, you know, anything above average yet. Well, and they've got a tough start because what is it, four games? I mean, you know, what is it, about four games or so without Julius Thomas to start the season? I mean, a guy who really probably should be, you know, the, a young quarterback's best friend in the lineup. I mean, Allen Robinson should be have a, a, a bigger season. He looks like a good, a good, talented receiver. But, you know, he's also just a second-year wide receiver, too. Right. And Julius Thomas had surgery on his finger. Yeah. So, again, you know, is he going to be able to catch the ball well when he does come back? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, exactly. I, and I, I mean, I, it seems like the days of just automatically assuming the Jaguars would only win, you know, two or three games are probably over. But it's hard to see him as more than a 500 team this year. And again, I realize what I've done to myself on Twitter here. <laughs> you asked for it. That's right. <laughs> but uh, hey, at least I'm not moving him to London or Los Angeles or anything like that, like <laughs> everybody true. else is. I, that, if you really want to piss off Duval Twitter, bring that up. <laughs> please don't talk about tarps or blackouts or anything <laughs> like that. Ooh, please don't do that. That, that, that is not the end well. <laughs> don't tell pool jokes or anything like that. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think the loss of Jackson Deville is going to be a big hit to the Jaguars this year. <laughs> If you don't have a guy that can catch himself on fire for your entertainment, then you've got to you've got to adjust a little bit. That's a hit in the morale department. <laughs> um, I, you know, to me, the AFC West is maybe the hardest out of all the divisions in the AFC, maybe the entire league to figure out because the Chargers look like a much better team. I really like what they did with their offensive line. The Chiefs, you know, we've seen time and time again with Reed, and they added a receiver in Macklin. That sounds like they could have Poe back a lot sooner than they had anticipated. Um, you know, Chiefs are a good team. Denver, obviously, I mean, you can't take them for granted in the regular season as long as they have Peyton Manning and he's healthy. It looks like, you know, they can always win some games, and they have some talent on defense too. It's not like it's just a a, a one-sided thing there. So that's a tougher division to call. Who do you guys – what do you guys foresee in there? I'm going to start with Steven on this one. Man, it, it, it's really hard to say. Um, to be honest with you, I, I really want to pick the Chiefs. I really do. Uh, I, I think that uh, their defense uh, is as stout as ever. They're, 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 you know, they're going to rush the passer. Your, your quarterback is going to be on his back a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, their secondary 
you know, you have, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Um, this is my Tennessee guy. Uh, 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 say Eric Berry. Yes. As second team, that tells you how deep your secondary is. Right now, he's not even starting on, on, on their defense. So their defense is as stout as ever. They finally have a game-breaker and wide receiver in Macklin. Yeah. Now, can the quarterback get the ball to him? That's going to really be the deciding factor on if they can actually supplant the Broncos as an AFC West champions. To be honest with you, I think if they can push the ball down the field to, to Macklin and get him over 10 touchdowns, I think they win that division. But it, it, it remains to be seen if Alex Smith can actually do that mm-hmm. on a regular basis. So, you know, the offense is still stout. The offensive line got shuffled around a little bit yesterday. Eric Fisher going back to right tackle, which I actually think is the right move. Yeah. It just makes them look bad as far as drafting him with the number one pick overall. But I do think it's actually the smart move and the right move for them to do. And it's going to – the result is going to be they're going to play better up front. So, uh, you know, you can laugh and joke about it all you want to, uh, but they're going to win games because they moved them back to right tackle, I think. So, I mean, just from top to bottom, man, uh, D'Anthony Thomas being a weapon or, or special teams and stuff like that, I just I think they're ready. I just don't know with Alex Smith. If he can actually utilize the fact that they have Macklin on the team now, I think mm-hmm. the Broncos are in trouble. Yeah, that's a good question, though, with Smith. I mean, it's always a little bit of a... You know, you wonder about him and how much, you know, what Reed, how much Reed has sort of camouflaged his limitations. Uh, Danny, what, what do you think about the AFC West, the Chiefs in particular here? Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm i pretty much in agreement with uh, Stephen on this. I think the Broncos are the team to beat in the West, and I really like their defense as well. I think, um, you know, they're a balanced team, and, and obviously a lot depends on what happens with Peyton Manning in terms of is, is he the same guy from the beginning of last year or the end of last year? And how big of a difference was, or how big of a deal were his injuries last year? I think that's like the big question. But they're still a balanced team. They can run the ball and they have a good defense. So I like the Broncos in the West. But I think the Chiefs, I picked the Chiefs as the wild card team out of the West um, because I really like their defense. Like Stephen said, they can rush the passer really, really well. Mm-hmm. And then their secondary is is really underrated as well. So um, yeah, they're they're my they're my wild card team in the West, and I think uh, I think the Macklin thing is going to make a big difference. It's going to like change, um, you know. It, it's going to they had like no one in the receiver core last year. I think that makes everyone around them better now with Macklin in there. He's the number one guy, and I think Kelsey is going to be you know continue to have his star rise. I think he's a really good player, obviously. So um, you know, and then with Jamal Charles, they can run the ball. So. They're they're a very very balanced team too. So those two teams I think are tough. But I, I mean I'm with you. The Chargers look good, and so that whole division is going to be tough. They might beat up on each other a little bit, and even the Raiders could, you know, obviously improve a little bit this year with with the the development of Carr. So that whole division looks good. And the Raiders have some I mean some interesting players on defense. And Khalil Mack has really really yeah. come into his own. Yeah, they could, you know, they could surprise some people. I don't like saying they're going to try and challenge for the playoffs or anything. Yeah. But they could catch some people off guard, I think, in terms of, you know, giving them a little bit harder time than they're expecting. So that whole division 
has some pretty interesting, you know, they're all, every team can rush the passion in that division. That's always kind of the wild card. So, um, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Let's go, uh, let's go to the other side, the, the NFC starting in the East. This is a tough one too, because I think it's, it, it looks like it's really between Philadelphia and Dallas. I mean, Washington probably looks like a team that's in contention for the number one pick next year, as usual. The Giants, they seem to have some kind of limitations. I don't know. They, and they're, the Giants precedent hasn't really favored the Giants lately, so I don't, I don't know. But really, Philadelphia obviously is a big question mark because everyone wonders what the hell is going to happen, what it's going to look like you know, given the offseason that they've had, as wild as it was. And then there's Dallas, which is a, a pretty good group, but did suffer kind of a, a big blow in the offseason with the, the injuries to their secondary. So I think that you know now they have some questions there, you know, with with Dallas. But um, what are you guys' thoughts on that, Danny? What do you what do you when you look at the NFC East? What do you see? Yeah, I think that's a really tough one to call. Um, I had the Eagles winning the division and the Cowboys being the wild card. And the same with you said, it's like obviously the Eagles have a lot of questions from this last year, but I think they got better. And I think if Sam Bradford can stay healthy, he'll be a really good you know person to run that chip kelly offense of course the huge question is can he stay healthy obviously you know i'd love to hear your opinion on that but um i think it's uh the eagles out of that division and the cowboys again you know their offense is going to be really good they're going to have all control with the with their run game it'll be interesting to see what they do with Kristen michael if he plays much um but yeah their defense again it's kind of the question and and can they kind of do what they did last year and, and get by with a like a mid, middling to less than middling defense and um you know that's a big question so i think the i just i i'm a kind of a believer in chip kelly even though he's kind of a crazy ass i think uh i, I think it's going to be they're going to be a team to beat this year steven i, I just don't know like I, I i'm leaning towards the cowboys because i, I think they're the safe pick here's yeah. my thing about chip kelly um, and, and I thought this counter towards the end of last year, um, not necessarily that teams were way more successful all of a sudden, but teams didn't look so confused by everything they were doing by the end of last year. And I, I do think that, in, you know, it's around the time where teams start figuring stuff out. Now, you can't really go by the preseason because nobody's really game planning to stop him. And plus, you know, with that tempo that they're running right now, you have to actually game plan for that too like you have to practice you know trying to line your defense up uh with, with them going at supersonic speed on offense but i think schematically i don't think he's going to be able to out scheme people as easily as he has the last few years mm-hmm. and so if teams have called to him and they can kind of anticipate what's going to happen i think then the the, the, the i won't say a deficit of talent but the fact that the talent isn't necessarily where it was, even last year, uh, whether you're talking about the offensive line, uh, I don't think the running backs are, are better than Shady or, or on his level, just to be honest with you. I think the wide receivers aren't the same anymore as well. I like Al Gore, but he's still a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. So this is a team, and then you got a quarterback that, that's been hurt almost – constantly since he was drafted uh, uh, as the number one pick. So 
Uh, I, I well, I think it was the number one or number two pick, whatever. Number one, close number enough. One. Number number one pick. I just think there's there's you look at it and you, and you want to believe they're going to put up all these points, game after game after game. I think teams are going to start catching up with them this year, and I, I still don't trust the defense. I probably never will. Just the scheme itself mm-hmm. doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Maybe they'll work out. Maybe they won't. But on offense. I just think, you know, I don't think they're going to be able to outscore people the way everyone thinks they will. But I'm scared to say that. You know what I'm saying? Because I could yeah. be wrong. I, I definitely could be wrong about that. Maybe Sam Bradford stays healthy the whole time. Maybe it doesn't matter that the offensive line, you know, isn't quite as talented up front because they, people get out of scheme. I just think that, look, even the greatest show on turf got figured out eventually. Yeah. And I think that we might be, you know, close to the time where people start saying, okay, here's how we're going to handle this. Let's line up and play. So we'll see. Yeah, and I think that'll be interesting to watch them against the better, the smarter teams too, you know, like where, you know, yeah, I can still see them running over the some of the, you know, shittier teams in the league without having much problems with what Kelly's trying to do on offense there, but – you know, when it comes to the, the smarter teams, the better coach teams, the ones that adapt really well, that's going to be interesting to see how they how they react to the Eagles' offense because it's a I mean, like you say, it's it's a known commodity now. I mean, people kind of know they've got two years of tape on Chip Kelly at this point. You know, I really think the innovative thing. We'll see if it's innovative, if it turns out to be innovative or not. But I think you know, for all the talk about you know Chip Kelly's going to change the NFL. I wonder if the real change that he's changed where he might have the most impact on the NFL is with injury management because it seems like you know, they talk a big game and, and it's hard to kind of separate, you know, what's real and what's a magazine profile piece, you know what I mean? But but it seems like the Eagles have done a lot of interesting things with player injuries to kind of manage that that's different from what you know, has been done in the rest of the NFL and even in college at the college level too, when Kelly was there. And I think you'll see that because to me, Sam Bradford, it's not a matter of, of can he stay healthy? It's when is he going to get injured again and how serious (laughs) is it going to be? And that's not a personal shot or anything. I mean, I really, I think that, you know, I, I think a player that's had that, you go back, I mean, you go all the way back to college, his time at Oklahoma, he was injured there with his shoulder, you know, the, the hit against Texas that, took him out and, you know, he didn't even play his last season at Oklahoma other than, you know, a, a couple quarters of football. So it, 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 the guy's been injured in his shoulder. You go back to college, it's his shoulder. In 2011 season with the Rams, it was his ankle and the high ankle sprain. They pushed him back too soon and they made it worse and they and they ended up costing him more time than a normal high ankle sprain would. And then you have, you know, you tear your ACL twice in the span of a year. It's a big deal. And, and yeah, you just don't. It, to me, it, it's just not the kind of thing. Yeah, maybe you can get a sixteen-game season out of him down the road, but it's just not the kind of thing you can bank on. And then what? You've got Mark Sanchez and Chip Kelly, maybe maybe an innovative offensive coach, but there's only going to be so much you can do with Mark Sanchez in there, right? right. And we saw that last year, even. Yeah. So yeah, my pick obviously depends a lot on Sam Bradford, and I and I'm completely cognizant of the fact that he's never been healthy really so um but maybe this is the year that that changes who knows yeah because i would mean, just, yeah exactly 
I'm anxious to see what he can do in, in Kelly's scheme because if it is, you know, if it does play to his strengths of getting the ball out sooner and and getting that, you know, that part out, not, you know, asking him like, I mean, you know, the stupid Rams would make him stand in the, do a seven-step drop <laughs> behind an offensive line of, you know, guys that probably shouldn't have been in the NFL. Right. And you just can't. How do you ask a quarterback that's done that, that, that has that health track record? And your top receivers are, you know, garbage one and garbage two. It's it's a... Uh, I'm trying. I'm not going to rant. I'm not going to rant. <laughs> We're trying to bait you into it. That's right. Uh, you know, the other thing about Bradford, too, is in college he was such a good deep passer. I mean, he doesn't have that cannon arm, but he was a good, accurate, deep passer. But in the NFL, and I don't know if it's just because of the abuse he took trying to play behind some terrible offensive lines in, in St. Louis, but uh, he lost it. He, you know, he when he would throw deep, Mm-hmm. It wasn't accurate. And more than anything, he just was hesitant to throw deep, period. Yeah. So I wonder if that was a part of the whole rhythm thing that you're talking about, how they're asking him to do this stuff that, you know, not doesn't really make any sense. With the Chip Kelly stuff, I think a lot of it will be, you know, it's quick stuff and rhythm stuff, you know, play action. It'll be interesting. I mean, obviously the early returns were good. But that's the preseason, so you yeah. can't put a whole lot into it. Um, but I mean, it's hard not to get kind of excited based on how he played, you know? Yeah. Well, it should be fun to watch. I mean, if nothing else, it's yeah. interesting too because he doesn't seem to be a coach that puts a lot of value on receivers. You know, like the rest of the league, where you just sort of assume that you know, hey, good receivers are hard to find, so you got to draft them and you got to spend big money on them and free agency to, to get them. And Kelly's kind of eschewed that so far. Now he may, you know, Al Gore may be, you know, in line for a huge contract four years from now. But so we'll see if he would keep him at that point. But I mean, it's, you look at the receivers. I mean, there's some talent there, but it's not like anything that jumps off the page at you. Yeah. So he, he'll fit right in with, in with Carolina, with the Panthers. Because <laughs> <laughs> he and Gettleman obviously are on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that this weekend that Ted Ginn is going to be one of Carolina's starting wide receivers this year. That's awesome. I, I can't even decide if it's, if it's him or Corey Brown that, that I'm more disappointed is going to be starting. Uh, I mean. <laughs> well, it's back to Philly Brown now. Well, yeah. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Maybe that's uh, the change know. he needed. Right. And yeah. Devin Funches as the number, as the guy that's probably going to, be in the starting mix, you know, after one game of Ted Ginn at, at a start in a starting job too. So unless he pulls his hamstring again. Well, yeah, there is that. <laughs> I, that's a what a terrible situation, and we might as well just jump into the NFC South because that's a pretty common question you hear people ask: Is the NFC South just going to be as bad as it was last year? And um, I don't know. Go ahead, man. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I think that kind of everybody was bad last year. I think the Falcons have a chance to actually be pretty good. Mm-hmm. It, it'll be it'll remain to be seen, and I know they're bringing in Jake Long because their offensive line is basically the question mark at this point. But everywhere else, man, they actually are pretty good. Yeah. Well, they got a talented young pass rusher with Dan Quinn, and that's a good, always a good fit. You know, you have Vic Beasley right off the bat. Yeah, but not even just him. Like, 
uh, you know, the, the guy Adrian Claiborne, who all mm-hmm. of a sudden is like a beast rushing inside. And, you know, they got Tyson Jackson. He's playing well. Uh, Rasheed H- Hageman, the, the second-round pick from last. Their front four is going to end up being like front six or so guys that actually play. Yeah. I mean, those guys get after it. They, they really can. And, and their, their secondary isn't really that bad either. Yeah, that's so, right. So, uh, like, you know, the, 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 basically their linebackers are kind of no-name guys other than maybe Justin Durant. But those guys can play too. So, uh, I mean, really, they, they got a lot of more experience, I think, on, on, on defense now. Defense used to basically be the liability. You know, that, yeah. they, they used to be that team trying to outscore everybody, and sometimes they could, sometimes they couldn't. This one time, I think their defense is going to really hold up their end of the bargain. So, you know, they, are, they got Julio Jones still and Roddy White and those guys. So I, I think the offense will figure out a way to be fine, even with, underperforming offensive line, but their defense gives them a chance to actually be pretty good. Yeah, and that was a young, and that was a group too. I mean, it, it doesn't, it's not talked about a lot, but um, injuries were they had a rough go with injuries on the Falcons' defense last year too, especially at the cornerback position. I was just looking at this. I mean, they had, you know, they didn't have Trufant was the only cornerback last year that started sixteen games for him, mm-hmm. and he's young. He's just twenty four. Yeah, their their defense could be good. It's funny because they were like, like Steven said, they were like the worst defense in the NFL last year, or like among the worst. And they've got some pieces, and I think with Dan Quinn coming in and kind of, I mean, you you got you got to expect he'll improve things just based on his track record track record with the Seahawks. But, yeah, um, yeah, they could be pretty good. I think he Quinn inherited a pretty good situation there. I mean, they have a a really proven franchise quarterback in Matt Ryan. That's always a huge thing and then you know just getting some pieces and free agency and and i like you know i like their draft so um they they could definitely challenge for that division I actually have the falcons winning the division so um i'm kind of just echo, echoing what what steven was saying about the the defense and just overall being more you know a little bit surprising this year this is the most agreeable group of nfl commentators <laughs> in the in the history of sports media it's interesting because it's I not think, take versus. There's no take versus take here. There's no uh, <laughs> great minds think alike. I can't believe that. So look, look. When nobody disagrees with me, that just means we're always right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have another question about the NFC South, and I think this is always this is this is kind of a mystery to me because I don't really know what to expect out of the Saints anymore. No. Now, on the one hand, you've got Breeze. He's always he's going to be a good if if he's healthy to me he's probably going to be a good quarterback but and he's not he's I know he's up there in the years but he's not at any you know he's not 39 years old or anything like that because God knows 39 is super old man let me tell you <laughs> um, but uh, but I just don't know about the Saints I mean you expected them to be much better than they were on defense last season and they were terrible on defense now, I know injuries played a part in that and they'll have Jairus Bird back this year but. Maybe. What do you expect out of the Saints this season, even reasonably? I still think it's going to be pretty much a dumpster fire on defense. So yeah. I'm I'm not expecting a whole lot. They have talent on defense. I'm just look, Rob Ryan. I don't trust him. I don't trust his defense. I think that 
now Sean Payton is kind of meddling with his defense anyway, so he's going to feel like somebody's looking mm-hmm. over his shoulder, which is going to make him panic even worse. Uh, J.S. Bird may be back this year, but he hasn't practiced this whole time. Like, he hasn't practiced uh. in preseason at all. So maybe he'll be back, but what kind of player is he going to be having missed pretty much all of last season and now all of the offseason as well? So, uh, <clears throat> you know, I like some of the talent, you know, individually. But as a unit, a defensive unit, man, I just I don't see some kind of great improvement from this from them this year. And they were pretty bad last year as well. Yeah, I, the Rob Ryan thing, man. He, that whole business. Well, I'll have a job in thirty. We you know when Dallas got rid of him, he's I'll have a job in thirty seconds or whatever it was. But man, he just he kind of underwhelms everywhere he goes, doesn't he? <laughs> Yeah, at the, at the risk of uh, sounding sounding too agreeable again, <clears throat> I was going to use the dumpster fire term. Also, <laughs> it feels like their off season has been really, really bad. And I mean, you know, their offense is awesome and and has been historically, but they did just trade away uh, Jimmy Graham, obviously, and, and that could be a big, you know, detriment to what they do on offense. So when they uh, kind of doubled down on their running backs too, when they got rid of Graham, I mean, they re-signed Ingram, they brought in C.J. Spiller. And that'll be interesting, definitely. I think Spiller will fit really well in that offense. But, um, you know, just just overall, you don't really know what they're doing. It almost felt like they're deciding to rebuild, you know, putting everyone on the trading block. Um, so, yeah, uh, to me, I'm not expecting a whole lot. You know, I'm not putting anything past Breeze because I think he's an amazing player and he will continue to be really, really good. But um, I just think overall it's it, it was a little bit confusing what they were doing this offseason. So, yeah, I don't expect a whole lot from them this year. I guess we'll uh, maybe uh, in, in six months from now we can go back and revisit Junior Gallette's girlfriend's tweets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which turned out was not the most ridiculous group of, uh, of tweets of a uh, player spouse girl slash girlfriend tweets Jeez. the off of the off season and because little did we know what Washington had in store for us last week. <laughs> you can uh, always count on Washington to give you some high comedy. They always put in a little perspective for you. It could always be worse. Hey, uh, Stephen, here's a question for you. Uh, Tampa Bay, they've got their quarterback. Obviously, he's a rookie, so it's probably you know not reasonable to think they're going to win 10 games or anything this season. But uh, imp- how much improvement are we going to see from the Bucks this year? I, I just don't know. Um, I-, I think that this weekend will tell me a whole lot about what their season will be like because they got two rookie offensive linemen starting. Yeah. And one of those rookie offensive linemen is the left tackle, who Eesh. arguably is the, the most important offensive lineman, usually, is in a, was in a walking boot last week. Just got out of a walking boot because of an ankle injury. So, I, I mean, that usually even if you have a seasoned quarterback back there, if you got two rookie offensive linemen starting, you kind of hide your eyes every time uh, <laughs> there, there's a passing play, right? And so... Now we've shown because of the third preseason game against the Browns that if you blitz us, we look terrible. Mm-hmm. So everybody's going to blitz the shit out of us now. And so it's just, it's kind of, I don't know. You know, I, I fully expect, I fully expect the Titans to get off the bus blitzing us. Yeah. And if we can't handle that, people are going to keep doing it until we show that we can. 
And I don't know how quickly it will take for those rookie offensive linemen to hold up their end of the bargain. We're also going to have to have Gosher Cheerless in for uh, DeMar Dotson. And I like Cheerless, but, you know. Yeah. How's it going to fit in? You know, kind of came in late to, to camp. He might actually be an upgrade. You never know. But but that's the thing. There's so many question marks with that offense. We know that we can push the ball down the field to Mike Evans and Vincent Jackson. Are we going to have time to do it, though? Yeah. I think the defense will be greatly improved, but I don't know if it'll matter if they can rush this rookie quarterback into a lot of mistakes, and that's exactly what the Browns did in the third preseason game. So, you know, if you really want to know what the Bucs are going to be, you're probably going to have to wait at least a week to see how they respond in a real regular season game. Yeah. Yeah, they're one of those teams. That that offensive line, they're one of those teams. There's a handful of teams in the league. I mean, none of the teams in the league right now outside of Dallas and a few others have an offensive line that you can really be proud of. But, man, Tampa's one of those teams that just has a has a rough-looking offensive line this year, a rough in the sense that they look like they're going to struggle this season. Uh, I, so I jumped ahead on the in the alphabetical order of things, but let's let's go back to the NFC North. I mean, I think the assumption for most people is that Green Bay walks away with it hands down, and they're probably, you know, uh, I, they were our uh, f- from our blogger vote for the season preview this year. The Packers were uh, the pick to win the NFC and win the Super Bowl, and like by an overwhelming majority. Um, <laughs> And I think that's probably the way a lot of people feel right now. And Green Bay certainly looks like the class of the NFC. Um, are we are we are we jumping to conclusions here? I don't think so. I think you know the Packers, by all rights, probably should have been in the Super Bowl last year. We saw the NFC Championship game kind of fall apart for them. <clears throat> and that's not to give no credit to the Seahawks, but I mean, I've just never seen the team lose a game like that. So. Um, you know, they, they obviously are a good team still, and I think they, um, you know, when you have the best quarterback in the game, that definitely tends to, uh, you know, hide some deficiencies on the other side of the ball. So, again, it's to me, it's like when you look at the Colts and the Steelers, the Packers are the same. I still some question marks on their defense, but their offense is just so dominant that I think they're going to be, you know, if not the class of the NFC, definitely the NFC North champions and um, challenge again for the Super Bowl. Yeah, the fact that they weathered, you know, playing with a third string quarterback last year says a lot about kind of how they, yeah, how good they are on defense. So that, they'll be really interesting to watch this year too. Stephen, NFC West thoughts? Well, when it comes to the NFC West, I'm going to go with that old Ric Flair uh, <laughs> quote. To be the man, you got to beat the man. <laughs> you know, I, I really like the Cardinals, just just like Danny was talking about. But until they show me that they can knock the Kings, the Seattle Seahawks, off the throne, I just won't believe it. I have to see it first. So, talent-wise, I think that the the Cardinals are ready to contend for that for that NFC uh, West title. I think you know. If, if their quarterback stays healthy, Carson Palmer can be the difference maker for them. But I got to see it. I actually have to see it. And, and the camp chancellor thing, I think, is really the one thing that gives me kind of the 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 the, the doubt, the yeah. doubt in the back of my mind that the Seahawks might actually fall off a little bit. Won't be the third team in the division, as one dumbass said on NFL <laughs> Network. But 
you know, they might take a little bit of a step back with Cam Chancellor if he's out for any amount of time. Yeah. But I still, I, I, you got to show me. This team, the Seahawks team went to back-to-back Super Bowls and was a play away from being back-to-back champions. And that team, for the most part, has stayed the same. Picked up Fred Jackson, which I think is, is actually going to help them. A lot of people think maybe it's a, you know, just kind of a, a, a handout or a, or a charity move. Man, Fred Jackson can still play. Yeah. I love watching that guy play. So, you know, he might, he'll be able to give a, a, a beast mode a rest now and then. Very smart player. Very good as far as being in the locker room. Leadership guy off the field. And we know what Jimmy Graham can do. Yeah. So it's not like the Seahawks just rested on their laurels either. So, uh, you know, there's great. I think the, the Cardinals have an excellent chance of unseating them, but they're going to have to show me first. Yeah. Danny, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to go back to that and ask you about that. What is, I mean, with the addition of Fred Jackson, they traded Christine Michael, who wasn't just a huge factor in the offense anyway, but I mean, what's the yeah. Seahawks backfield situation going to look like this year with Fred Jackson in the mix now? Yeah, it's interesting because last, I mean, they essentially the last second kind of got rid of everyone on their back, like backing up Marshawn Lynch. Um, they, you know, I think they just end up couldn't trust, they couldn't trust Kristen Michael to A, not, you know, fumble the ball and B, just kind of, he, he, I guess he just would sort of not do his job on half the time. So, um, I think that was a big part of the reason, you know, they traded him for like nothing essentially. And now they're going to go with, uh, Fred Jackson as the primary backup. They like Thomas Rawls as kind of like a developmental guy, but he's still a rookie. So, you know, they don't want to put too much on him. So, yeah, I guess it's interesting that, you know, they're essentially the oldest backfield in the NFL now with uh, Marshawn Lynch and Fred Jackson. But, um, you know, there's two really talented guys there. And I, I agree with you. I think I went back and watched some of Fred Jackson's uh, last from last year, and he's still, you know, he's still got it. He's still a really good player. So, um, yeah, it, it's interesting because if there's an injury, then things could really – it would be – it would be interesting to see where they went if uh, Marshawn Lynch got hurt. But in terms of, uh, you know, their one-two punch with Lynch and, and Jackson, I think they're looking pretty good right now. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Hopefully Lynch can continue to be sort of ageless. And I, same same with Fred Jackson. I mean, he's 34 years old. So, How much of a liability is that offensive line? That, that remains to be seen. I mean, obviously they didn't look good in the preseason um, until about the fourth game against the Raiders when they did decently. Um, so, you know, but last year they played with like, I think, eight or nine different um, combinations on the offensive line. I think Max Unger played six games, so it's not like, you know, they're losing like a you know core 16-game starter. He was obviously really good, but he, didn't, he wasn't around for a lot of the time. Um, so it's a big liability. I'm especially worried about week one just because of the freakish people on the Rams defensive line. But um, on, in the long run, I think they kind of just have – this is like not really that different from last year in the sense that they kind of like, you know, get by with uh, a bunch of no-name dudes on the offensive line and just kind of make it work. So, um, you know, it's it's not entirely all that different from last year. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, they really do. I mean, this isn't this won't be the first season they've had to contend with a an offensive line that's mostly just kind of a forgettable group. Yeah, it's like I'm just so used to it at this point. I, I'm I'm like immune to worry, you know, just because they've managed to do it last year. Like they had a rookie starting at right tackle last year. Uh, they had a you know 
carousel at, at center, and they kind of went with three different guys throughout the year. Um, you know, Russell Okung never seems to make it through a whole season without getting hurt. Um, so it's, you know, just kind of like one of those things Seahawks fans, I guess, are uh, conditioned to expect terrible offensive line play. But the, <laughs> the, the way that Lynch and Wilson kind of work together with the read option, it kind of has worked over the years. And um, obviously Wilson's really good at throwing outside of pocket as well. So all those things combined kind of make them, you know, prepared to deal with crappy offensive line play. Right. I noticed that uh, I don't have the spread in front of me, but I noticed that Seattle is being picked to beat the spread in St. Louis this week too. So nice. If that buoys anything, I, well, that's the other the, the Rams' offensive line. They still don't have an. They don't, still don't have a starting center decided upon. <laughs> and uh, it's let me tell you, it's just an award-winning looking group from left to right there. <laughs> So I think they're really going to do a lot of damage, mostly to Nick Foles on that with with that offensive line. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I don't know. The team, the St. Louis Rams team website assures me that it's the year of the Rams. So I would well, say that's, that that's probably they're probably going to win the NFC West now because of that. Yeah, I mean, I, they can't lie on the internet. I don't think that's right. Yeah. Well, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how many uh, fans show up to the game in uh in st louis this weekend because they were drawn about twenty five thousand for the two uh preseason games and that was mostly thanks to the chiefs being in town in a, in a reasonable three and a half hour drive away so um just in time to sell the tell the nfl you need to get to los angeles so uh, <laughs> it should be it should all work out who's gonna be uh who's who, who's who are the who's contending for the first overall pick this year, hmm. Washington got to be Washington. Washington, yeah, that's definitely definitely looks to be the case. <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with that at all. Washington, maybe. Uh, yeah, it's hard to see a team really just being consciously worse than Washington without you know <laughs> a raft of injuries hitting them. I, Chicago, to me, is a team that's probably it could be better, but I don't know, man. They look yeah. more talented, but it's a young group on defense. But they have a good defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator, so maybe uh, maybe there's some hope for the Bears fans out there. I mean, you want to see Marcus Mariota do well, but I don't know how how good the Titans are going to be this year. Yeah, his offensive well, line's not very good either. Well, they're not bad. I, I just think a lot of them are, are kind of young. Yeah. You know, they got the, the young right guard, the young left tackle, who are going to be cornerstone. You're just not sure because they're still young how they're going to play this year. Yeah. But their defense is actually what would be scaring me if I was a Titans fan because they look very average all preseason. Yeah. That's good. And that would be interesting, too, because, I mean, I guess you have, you know, you could argue that Ken Wizen was on the hot seat, but now they just drafted a quarterback and they have a young team. It's hard to make the case to dump a coach with that with those kind of circumstances and expect a winning, you know, expect 10 wins or anything like that. I don't know. It's going to be a good week. I'm excited. Football's finally here. Is there a game in particular you either one of you guys are looking forward to this week? Well, I mean, obviously, I'm looking forward to the the Rams. Well, sure. <laughs> sure. And obviously, I'm looking for you know Tampa Bay and Tennessee just to see the two rookie quarterbacks and get it over with. Really, yeah. Now, now they have yeah. something else to talk about. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, the Thursday night football just has a lot of intrigue, of course, because of the Patriots. Um, Patriots and Steelers. Yeah, that's just going to be yeah, a really the first game of the one. season, you know, it always. For sure. Uh, you know one that I am actually kind of anxious to see for maybe all the wrong reasons, but Miami is starting the season in Washington. <laughs> so think about that. And Damikon Sue against Washington's fine offensive line and uh, Kirk Cousins, a.k.a. the KC Masterpiece. So Robert Griffin may be, uh, may be playing again before we know it. <laughs> yeah. The Monday games look really good. The Eagles at Falcons and the Vikings at 49ers. I think both of those will be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that is. The, it's, that, that San, yeah, those are both good. The San, we could see how bad San Francisco is going to be this year. Yeah. I mean, I think. Ninerize your team. I'm still like, maybe I'm just conditioned to never, like, give up on the Niners. But I still think they're going to be better than people are making them out to be. Yeah. Let's see, it all comes. I mean, I'm not going to be mad if they suck. <laughs> I guess it all kind of comes down to uh, Jim Tom Sula and how good they can, uh, yeah. what kind of coach he really is. But uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. And uh, I'm excited that the season's finally here. So maybe we'll have something to talk about besides uh, Deflate Gate on the future podcast. But I'm sure we'll, we'll have plenty of Deflate Gate to talk about too. Yeah. It's never going away. Never. <laughs> never. And even they're not dropping that appeal. That's for damn sure either. Well, guys, it's been um, a good podcast, rich and rewarding as usual. Um, I guess next week we'll have some actual games to talk about. (laughs) That's going to be nice. That should be fun. All right, guys. Uh, Thanks again for for doing this today. And uh, um, I'm looking forward to starting the 2015 season with y'all. Definitely. Hey, wait. 